Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And our topic today is what we're going to call mini wins and also talk about celebrations. This topic was really prompted by a post that I read on LinkedIn from Dan Abrahams, who's a sports psychologist in the UK. We've mentioned him many times and mainly works in the sport of soccer, football. And his post was about um, a quote that he heard from Andrew Huberman of Stanford University on a podcast interview. And um, it got me thinking, Josh, about how we could talk about having players create mini wins, little celebrations, so as to get some real benefits out of that. And we'll talk about what those benefits are. Um, but the quote that Dan Abraham is really like from this particular interview was this. People release testosterone and dopamine when they win. This gives them a sense of achievement and a feeling of power and sets them up for further wins. So, therefore, we know right away that there is a body chemistry benefit to this idea of of winning. Um, Of course, in tennis, we can't really control the winning all the time, right? And and that's true, I think, in any time that we have say, behavior change or performance, we're not fully in control of that. And so it made me start to think about some of the work that people like BJ Fogg and James Clear have done around habits and developing new habits. And they both have this concept of celebration or reward. And and, I, and we want to talk today about how do we incorporate some of that into what we're doing on, on the tennis court to help with behavior change, to help uh, in, in a number of areas. Um, so before we kind of get into some of the you know specific research, Josh, just want to get like your intro to this topic, your thoughts on it, you know, and then we can dive deeper. Yeah, I, I was excited when you when you brought it up because I think it's it's a really important piece of behavioral change um, in order to you know recognize that something positive has taken place and to, to celebrate it. Um, and I think that that can, you know, within a, a tennis context that can take place in different ways. Um, you know, going back to, to Dan Abrams LinkedIn post, and we can, we can certainly link to that in, in, uh, in the show notes. Cause I think it, you know, it's important for people to, to check that out, to read that. Um, he mentions, you know, for soccer players, um, taking time right in the beginning of the game, you know, those first couple of minutes to scan the field and to sort of focus on that piece of things. And as well as, you know, body language. Um, and I, I think for tennis players, it can be the same thing where you can, you know, you can have those small wins take place in, in a host of different ways, um, including, you know, right at the start of the match. Um, perhaps it's, the, perhaps it's the warm up. perhaps it's those first, let's say three games of a match. Perhaps it's it's even the preparation that leads into it. Where if you can, let's just say with the preparation piece, with the the match warm up, if you let's say you have a checklist of things that you want to make sure that you do during, um, you know your your pre match routine, just by doing that, just by you know checking those boxes, um, that's signifying to yourself that that's a win, that's something accomplished, and that you know that as he said that releases those. Um, those hormones, those, those chemicals that, you know, make, make that those, those continued wins more likely. So um, no, I, I, I think that's, that's great. And we can think about how we 
both how we create those small wins, whether it's again, you know, during the preparation leading up to a match, during it's, whether it's the warm up, whether it's early in a match, and also focusing on those those being controllable things. Again, whether it's our pre-match routine, whether we have those different elements is very controllable. Whether we focus, let's say, during those first couple games on tracking the ball and watching the ball, something very fundamental um, and basic, but also extremely important, whether it's on moving our feet and having those be our, our clear and you know main intentions and our focus rather than you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to blow this person off the court in these first couple games, um, which again is out of our control or try to, you know, get off to a good start again, uncontrollable. So I really like that where it's, you know, we're setting ourselves up for um, a win and something that is controllable. And then, you know, having some sort of celebration, whether, you know, we can really discuss what that looks like um, after that to really reinforce that. The controllable piece is really important because, um, as you said, we can't necessarily control the the winning part. Not that we shouldn't celebrate some of that either, right? Because if if we do get some sort of a significant win of a point or a great shot or we win a big game, we win a set, that is certainly celebration worthy to continue those good feelings. But predicting when those come is is much more difficult. But if we are basing it, on more controllable things. And as you noted, Dan Abrahams talked about starting the game with great body language, scanning the field, being really active and energized. And in that moment, you create a mini win because what are you doing? You're doing really good professional stuff. And these are things that by celebrating, you not only are changing your body chemistry in a positive way, you're also reinforcing this behavior. So when we're talking about behavioral change and and habit change, the reason that something like celebration or reward is in there, you want to give yourself a reason to continue to do this. And I think in in tennis, you know, you brought up the idea of a pre-match routine. Going through a checklist is a great idea. Anybody who's read like the checklist manifesto knows how important and effective checklists are. But as you're checking things off, what can you do when you're you're done? Yes, I'm prepared. Yes, I'm a pro. That in itself is a celebration. You're you're creating that mini win right there. Hey, I just won the preparation right there. Now you're you're changing your body chemistry, but you're also reinforcing your own self-image as someone who can win the prep, who is a professional. You know, and we can apply this, and some of the things that we may say today may sound a little bit funny, but give it a try um, because we want to help you create that behavior change that you want in your game. I mean, for anybody to improve at anything, but certainly at tennis, there's going to be behavior change involved. Now, that change might be technical. Perhaps you're changing the grip on your forehand, or you're doing something new with your serve. Okay, when you do something like that, well, yeah, you want to recognize it. You want to get a mini win out of that. Maybe the behavior change is more cognitive behavioral. Maybe you're struggling to really follow your between point routine on a consistent basis. Okay, we want to somehow set up a, a celebration or a reward for that that gives you the motivation to keep going and, and shows you how well that works.
So this concept is really important that we're looking for what works. We're looking for these mini wins, whether it be, I guess, what works or what is, you know, enables us to win. Either way, um, it's important because what's sort of our default mode, and I think you'd agree with me, Josh, what's wrong? You know, you can watch somebody play in practice. This happens to me all the time, playing with somebody in practice. We make maybe 20, 25 shots in a row, and they miss one. And where does all the energy go? It goes to shot number 26 instead of to, whoa, I just hit 25 shots in a row. That's pretty good, right? And what if we actually brought more attention to the 25, brought more attention to, hey, how did you get 25 in a row rather than, oh, what'd you do wrong in that one shot? And now you're kind of changing your body chemistry in, in, in not such a great way. And you, perhaps you're going to harm or sabotage your ability to create 25 more in a row. So I think a lot of this is about really continuing the kind of behavior that we want um, through celebration, through recognizing many wins. Um, and I think that through that process – the change that we're looking to make will actually take more easily uh, than it would be if you're constantly looking at what's going wrong. I think I think what's really important here is when it comes to these mini wins that they're mini, that they're they're you know they're they're bite sized, they're they're manageable, and and when it comes to behavioral change, that's that's a, that's a huge piece of this. Right, that we're talking about again, small small details. We're talking about winning the preparation battle, right? Again, this is a controllable aspect of things. Are we? How are we doing with that? Are we successful with with the preparation side of things or not? Are we successful with that that time, that twenty seconds or so in between points or not? And again, can we celebrate it? But I think you know when it also relates to to other things, right? We, we're talking about changing a stroke, as you mentioned. We're talking about maybe changing other habits in our life that, that impact our performance, whether it's our sleep, whether it's our hydration, our nutrition, um, our stress management, whatever, whatever it is, um, there's, there's nothing too small to celebrate. You know, being, doing something now that you haven't done in the past, even if you know, you're comparing yourself to somebody that's been doing it for years or a lot longer than you and maybe he's doing it at a higher level should still be recognized, should still be celebrated. And that again, reinforces, you know, that, that sort of behavior makes it more likely to continue. So um, I think, you know, whether it's, let's say somebody is trying to, you know, when we think about James clear, Brian, you brought him up um, in the book, atomic habits, they talk about, you know, if somebody wants to, let's say, establish a running routine, it's, or, you know, add that behavior to their lives. Um, it's not about, all right, let's not start with running five miles the first time we're out there. Let's start small. Let's, let's set that goal of, all right, we're going to simply, you know, get started. We're simply going to go for a run slash walk on that first time. And then how can we make that easier? Can we set out our, you know, can we set out our clothes and our shoes the night before? Can we, how can we clearly, 
dis- decide what what is the route we're going to do. We don't want to, you know, we want to clear that mental space. We want to have these sorts of things set out ahead of time and make it easy for ourselves rather than having to wake up the next day, having to decide what we're going to wear. What is that route going to look like? What time are we going? We want to have these things all laid out ahead of time. So we want to, you know, what I like about Atomic Habits is they, you know, James Clear really talks about how we can, what are the different um, elements that are needed in order to make, you know, behavior change and, and make habit formation more, you know, more accessible, make it easier um, and make it, you know, make it more likely to take place. So, um, no, I think when it, when it comes to a lot of this stuff and, and let's say it is changing a stroke, right? Um, I think that that celebration can, can look different. So perhaps it's, you know, it's a fist bump after, you know, after you do it successfully that first time. And maybe, you know, as you said, if it, if it's 25 shots in a row, maybe that fist bump doesn't take place after each shot, but maybe it's after every few, maybe it's during that water break. It's some sort of, you know, verbal recognition of, okay, that that's something I've, I've done that I haven't been able to do in the past, but having some sort of celebration you know regardless of its form um is is really important here yeah and this guy named lenny basham wrote a book called with winning in mind he's an olympic rifle shooter and he has this concept of that's like me and i think this is the form of the celebration that many of us could take on positive behaviors that we have so the idea is for him similar to what i was saying about the the good shots recognizing the good shots and when you have a good shot or a good point, that the way you celebrate it is, yes, that's like me. Kind of feast on that, right? Understand that. That then starts to build more awareness of, all right, hey, how am I feeling in this moment? What did I do right there? Um, and then we've got that body chemistry change that's going to allow us to continue with that that type of behavior. So the celebration, and I think some some of the habit forming books call it reward, right? I think in Charles Duhigg and and uh, James Clear's books, they call it more like cue, prompt, reward. And I, I've always struggled with the reward part. Like, what do you mean? Like, how do I reward myself on that? And is it you know, do I get to eat a pizza at the end of the week because I did it for a whole week? And I think the one thing that BJ Fogg is a little bit clearer about in Tiny Habits is maybe celebrate is a better way of putting it and that you celebrate it then and there in that moment. So similar to the research on how it feels when you win, and and one of the things that Dan Abrahams included there was some some research done at Georgia Tech on, on how sports fans feel during games when their team wins and when their team loses. And he this was back in the World Cup in 1994 that was in the U.S. And they they had done a study on uh, the Brazilian fans and the Italian fans. So they, they played in the final that year. Brazil won. And testosterone levels in Brazilian fans increased by 28%. And it decreased in Italian supporters by 27%. So just this feeling of winning, right? So celebrating, creating mini wins. Look at the difference there in testosterone levels. Now, testosterone, what does that do for us? It's really kind of like our assertiveness hormone. It helps with confidence. It helps you to be feeling more in control. 
of the situation. So that's why this is really important as we are all trying to master this very difficult game of tennis is that we create many wins with little celebrations of yes. That's like me. You mentioned the fist pump, Josh. That's an extremely powerful kind of uh, gesture that we can give. Yeah, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable with that, you don't have to. Um, but why not experiment with it? Now, it may look funny in practice. Yes, 25 shots in a row. But <clears throat> see what happens. Just by you taking that, that time to recognize the win in that moment um, is going to be very, very helpful for this. Um, so I think recognizing what a celebration is, right? So it's not necessarily, oh, I get to do something at the end of the week or the end of the month when I've done this. Um, it's something very immediate. Uh, I want to get back to your point too, Josh, about not like over committing yourself, you know, in your running example, you know, five miles. If like you haven't been running, you know, committing to five miles, that's hard. That's, and in itself may seem overwhelming and you may not be super motivated to do it. Um, but let's put that into a tennis context. Even us asking uh, a player to go through a full-blown between-point routine could be a lot. So what if we just said, okay, all I want you to do is when a point ends, I want you to take two breaths, two deep breaths, and that's it. Now, that's pretty easy, right? I mean, you're going to breathe anyway. So, But if we're just bringing maybe some more conscious attention to two breaths, what have we done now? We've actually helped you create more or less like an algorithm. So when a point ends, I take two breaths. And then we add on the celebration. Yes, all right, I did it. That's easy. Two breaths is easy. Now, what can we do once they've established that? All right, now we can begin to add on a little bit. All right, let's add something in there. You're going to take two breaths and you're also going to plan what you want to do in the next point. Then we build on to that, right? So we slowly build this up and, and we're continually celebrating our progress, celebrating these little mini wins as we start with almost like ridiculously small behaviors because they're easy. Again, you know, for some players, you've mentioned this to me, Josh, I've seen it as well. We ask a player how he or she is doing with their between points routine, and it kind of comes out as somewhat conditional. Well, I did it sometimes. I didn't do it other times, etc. And, you know, it might partly be there's just some awkwardness to it. Maybe it just doesn't feel right. Or maybe it just feels too long to begin with, depending on who that player is. Other players gravitate toward it right away. They get it. Um, but if we can start really small with building something like that, even in the pre pre-match routine, can we just have some really small, easy things? It doesn't need to be three hours of activities or, you know, you see some of these pro athletes, they'll get to like a football player, you know, American football, get to the stadium like five hours early. Um, you know, most tennis players are not really signing up for that level of preparation that early. But could you do a few things in the half hour before, the hour before? And as you get more and more comfortable with that, you can expand it. And the way you do that is by celebrating who you are in that moment. Yes, that's like me. I just won the warm-up. I just won the preparation battle. 
I'm winning the between points battle. Um, and if you can celebrate that, you have a much better chance of, of helping install this new new behavior that you want. Definitely, definitely. And I, I would also say that there, you know, if we're, if we're thinking about during a match, um, there are certain moments where your mindset in that moment has a big impact on whether or not you're able to celebrate that win, that, that small win when it occurs. Um, and I'll, I'll give an example here that let's say a player is down. Let's say a player is losing and let, let, let's say they're down 5-1. And they win the next game. They hold, they break, doesn't really matter. Um, so they go from 5-1 to 5-2. Five, five, I love to see a fist bump or some sort of celebration, probably a small muted celebration in that moment. It's generally not a something over the top, you know, with, with that score in mind. But I love to see some sort of fist bump. That's to me, you know, as both someone who is coached and someone, you know, a sports psychology professional, that's to me a signal that, okay, they're in it. They're celebrating that, that win, call it a small win perhaps, but it's, you know, it's a win of, of winning that game, of getting a little closer. Um, and it, it sends a signal, okay, they're ready to go for that next game. They're ready to go for the rest of the set. It also sends a signal to the opponent, right? It, it, it's, it's that signal that, okay, I'm not out of this. You know, they're not, they're not showing off any negative body language, which is obviously common when you're behind. Um, but instead giving some sort of positivity, some sort of fist bump. Actually, one player that I think over his career really shifted with this, and I think there are, there are other examples as well, is Kevin Anderson. Um, and he, you know, retired relatively recently. Um, but he, I, I think over the last maybe four or five years of his career, there was a huge difference in his body language where he would be seen, you know, fist bumping even early, you know, early in the match, um, just throughout a match and, and would really make a conscious effort. And he spoke on this, made a conscious effort not to show off, you know, negativity and really to exude that positive emotion, sort of regardless of the outcome, regardless of how things were going overall. So I think there are certainly moments in a match where in, in practice, but, but moments, you know, while competing where you can celebrate those wins and that, yes, it sends a signal to yourself, but it sends a signal to, to everybody, to, you know, fans or coaches, but also to the opponent. Uh, but you have to be in, you have to be in the right sort of headspace in order to do that. If you're so consumed with, okay, why am I down five, one, I shouldn't be losing, you know, I should be beating this person, you know, I'm supposed to win. Um, when five, one becomes five, two, you're not in the headspace to celebrate that you're like, okay, well, of course, you know, of course I won that game. I'm supposed to, um, rather than, okay, let's celebrate this and let's build on it. If we can conceptually understand the role of celebration in fighting all the way through a match, like, and, and pre-commit to it, um, I think it can really help. And I guess maybe I'll clarify that. What happens typically in matches is uh, players judge things. They'll judge a point as being good and they'll judge a point as being bad. And their reactions after a point are based on judgment. And what we're asking you to do is not to engage with judgment, but rather to understand the importance of celebration in these mini wins of helping you to continue to fight throughout a match. So it 
it should be almost in a way planned behavior. And that's what you're describing with Kevin Anderson, doing it early in a match. All right, yeah, you, you're up 1-0, 2-0. Like, you could say, oh, who cares? You haven't won anything yet. But, uh, and that's true. But what he's doing is he's, he's using the celebration mini win thing to continue to build good body chemistry, to continue to build a, an image for himself of being a professional, of being a competitor, of being a fighter. And that is going to help sustain him through the match, no matter what is going on score-wise. Where if we're being judgmental about things... And we're getting negative at times, while also maybe being positive. You're sabotaging your ability to compete really well throughout the match. You'll lose to somebody who isn't judgmental and understands how to um, be 100% positive with whatever's going on. We have to be able to accept losses of points. We have to be able to accept mistakes, accept loss of games. You getting negative about that is in my opinion, not only self-sabotaging, it's a form of tanking. You're not 100% invested if you are getting negative. Um, So by committing to a process of celebration throughout, from pre-match, even into post-match, you're a true pro. And people will notice that. People will notice what you're doing in your preparation. People will notice how you handle yourself between points, whether that's a one point or a loss point. I've had some players that I work with tell me how people have come up to them and noticed how professional they were. Like that that's the first thing out of their mouth. Not you know, great win or whatever. It's like, wow, you really look like a pro out there. Now we can be telling ourselves that, but getting that feedback from the outside is also quite motivating and will help you to continue the behavior change. So this is stuff that your performance team can help you with, etc. But you've got to be able to celebrate for yourself first. You are the first audience with that. And I think if, Josh, if we can commit when we go into a match, we're not going to be judgmental. We're going to look for mini wins all along the way because we know that, that that's a big part of the formula or recipe for creating a great competitive performance. We create a great competitive performance. We give ourselves a shot at the end to win. You'll be more present. You'll be more able to take an opportunity if it's, say, five all in a set. That's, that's such a big part of being a great competitor is your ability to be present at the end. And I think this is a great strategy to use to help you get there. Definitely. Definitely. And I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, it allows that opportunity later in the set, later in the match to be, to be ready, to be ready. You know, you've, you've been building up those, um, you know, those small wins, those celebrations along the way. It's almost like we've talked about another topic, which I think is connected of confidence, you know, almost making those, those deposits into a, you know, confidence bank account. Um, And it's, you know, to, to me, it's a similar concept where it's like, this is the, you know, if we're sticking with the fist pump example, that's, that's our confidence. That's our body language bank account where, you know, we're depositing into it and we're depositing into that. So I, you know, I, I think that that makes a big deal. And if we're trying to, let's say we're trying to change the form on our, our on our forehand, 
that those wins can come from different places. Those wins can come from making the shot. Those wins can come from that feedback from ourselves, you know, and also from maybe a coach or an outsider that we're successfully, you know, performing the forehand the way that we want to in terms of the technique. Um, so, you know, and, and that should be recognized. That shouldn't be assumed that, you know, in a hour long span, we're going to go from point A to point B and, and make that change. As we all know, behavior change is hard. So, you know, when it happens, it should be recognized. It should be, you know, celebrated. Um, and, you know, it, rather than that just being assumed. Yeah. So let's also talk. We've, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, but let's talk about specific instances in a match or preparation when we could celebrate and, and perhaps what we could do. So I think we've talked a bit about the preparation piece. So we, we complete our checklist and right in that moment, yes, all right, I've won my preparation. I, that's like me. I'm a pro. I'm a pro at preparation. Um, I think during a match, certainly we're, we're talking about at the end of points, if we won a point or we've hit a great shot, done something well, there would be a fist pump, et cetera. What are your thoughts, Josh, about – this is this is the part where I think maybe there would be – have to have people suspend some belief here. But um, at the end of your routine, just very sort of lightly recognizing, hey, I did, it, I did that. I did my routine well. What do you think of that? I like that. I like that. You are you, are you referring to the the in between points routine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's great, and maybe there's some self talk that goes along with that. Um, you know, we we talk about the the four stages of the routine, and we you know we 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 did devote an episode to this, so you know people can certainly certainly check that out. But you know, in that that third or fourth stage, when it's okay, we're preparing for the you know we're preparing and planning out that next point. We're going into our ritual, you know, during one of those stages, having probably, I would say during that preparation stage, maybe some sort of self-talk like, all right, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready for the point or, yeah. you know, some sort of recognition that like, all right, I went through this process and now I'm in a better place because of that. Um, so I think that's great. I would also add on other sorts of routines, right? We talked about the um, pre-match routine. Um, how about a changeover routine? That's maybe something we haven't touched on as much, but you know, if you're, if you have a, a routine established, okay, during my changeover, maybe there's some breathing that takes place, you know, certainly some, some hydration, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's some planning as well. If there's, you know, thinking about what that looks like, and, and if you go through that process, recognize it, you know, it doesn't have to be something outward necessarily, but at least some sort of mental recognition, some sort of self-talk connected to that, that, that you did that, that you're checking those boxes that you are, the professional that's that's going through this process and trying to do everything in your power to give yourself a better chance. So I, I, I love that idea of, you know, let's recognize that. Yeah, because I think we're trying to build an image in all of our players that they they feel professional. They feel like they're taking control. And everything that we're talking about, all this behavior change, a lot of it is about you, the player, learning to exercise control over a very chaotic environment you know this is why you see Rafael Nadal do so many little different things it's not that he has obsessive compulsive disorder he's simply trying to control what he can control and by doing that it helps him stay focused on what's important he doesn't have distracting thoughts come in 
And we want to establish that for ourselves. We may not do as many things as Rafael Nadal does, but if we have a set of things that we always do and we know they work and we celebrate that and understand, yes, this is what helps make me a pro. Yeah, that's that's like me. Um, we can win the day in, in, in essence, right? We can create a great day on the court. We can feel better on the court just by exercising you know, levels of control over what we're trying to do. Um, you may even notice in a match where you get a little bit stressed. Okay, what do we ask you to do? Take a couple of deep breaths. Slow things down. What are you doing when you're doing that? You're beginning to consciously control some things that you have control over that then institutes a sense of calm and you begin to be able to problem solve better and you can start to take control of the situation rather than letting the stress and pressure uh, you know, induce panic and chaos and, and that's, that's much more difficult to, to play through. So we're really exercising through these behavior changes, you know, levels or autonomy, levels of control or taking autonomy over the, over the situation. So I think that's, that's a really important aspect of it. Um, so yeah, after our routine in between points, we could do something. After the changeover routine, I would say also after match, Josh, because we're talking about creating mini wins, you know, there's always another match. There's always another tournament. Can we lock in some of the, the wins that we had during the match? Imagery is actually a great way to do that. Create a video highlight in your mind of what you just did. Even if you lost the match, you did some things well. Go back and create a, a highlight package in your mind of those things that you did well. Again, what are we doing? We're trying to lock in the behavior that we want so that we can create streaks of it. We want to understand our own success. You know, The more that we study our success, the more that we can replicate it and, and repeat it. If we're just studying mistakes, um, that's important, but it's not everything, right? We have to understand how things work. So I think by doing this celebration stuff, we're creating this great self-image as professionals, as great competitors, as people who are, you know, trying to master the sport of tennis and trying to become great, great competitors. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think the self-image piece that, that you've brought up a couple of times is, is critical here because you start to become that person. You start to become that person that takes time and goes through their routine in between points. You start to become that that kind of a person and see yourself as the person that is fully prepared going into a match and feels like they've done everything on the you know pre-match side of things in order to give themselves the best chance. You start to become that that type of person that that runs right, and and that's you know also with you know they, they uh, James Clear talked a lot about in, in terms of you know identifying I I am the runner, which is why I you know, fill in the blank, which is why I um, put my stuff out the night before. Um, so I, I, I think that self-image piece is huge and it's okay. I am the, the type of player that shows positive body language, regardless of what's going on. Every single tennis player, including the best players in the world have off days, have days where they don't have their best game, have days where they're not feeling as good, or maybe they didn't sleep as well or, or whatever's going on. 
And with that in mind, you know, keeping in mind that every player has those ups and downs, how well are you going to handle it? How well are you going to handle your down days? Those days where things are a little bit tougher, not to say that you can't turn it around, but it it is going to be a little bit harder that day. So can you commit and can you start to become the type of person that continues to show positive body language during those days that continues to fight, that continues to use their breath and use their routine as a, you know, in a system systematic way to can to con- control your body chemistry and use that to your advantage, almost weaponize that in order to put yourself in the best possible place going into the next point. Um, and I, I say, you know, become that person because most people aren't born that way. Almost no, almost nobody, I would say. It, it's a process over time. You know, if somebody, let's say, picks up tennis or picks up competitive sports later in life, maybe it's a long, you know, maybe it, it starts then and that has to be learned at that point. Um, or, you know, if certainly for junior tennis, tennis players, you know, there's, there's a wide range of where people are at with it, but it's, you know, it's a process and by, by recognizing it, by being aware of it when it happens and then celebrating it, you, you reinforce that behavior, you make it, you know, likely to continue to continue occurring time and time again. I think it's important to kind of go off of what you're saying here, Josh, is to the idea of pre-commit. So before a match, pre-commit to this way of being, to your identity, but you know, to pre-commit to finding mini wins, pre-commit to celebrating. We often talk to players about setting process goals, and that's great, but I think sometimes it's not strong enough in how we phrase it. And I think one of the ways that we need to phrase it better is, okay, I want you to pre-commit to these behaviors so that you'll do them. Um, just saying, well, I want to focus on my routine and I want to have great body language, et cetera, and you know, I'll rate it after the match. Okay, that may sound good on paper, but this is really about you. Like, okay, I want this behavior change. I'm going to pre-commit to doing it. No matter what, this is super important to me. And I think that's what we're asking today is for you to consider pre-committing to looking at the good things that you do and celebrating the fact that you did them. Create a mini win. Use the positive effects of body chemistry to help you continue that behavior change. If you're struggling with a behavior change, maybe break it down into something smaller. Um, But until then, you know, find it something that you can then do and then celebrate it and keep it up and keep it up and keep it up. Keep up this streak. Um, the more that you can do, say, a between point routine on more points, the better. Um, if you miss a point every now and then, that's okay. We want to get back. We don't want to miss more than two in a row, though. Um, because that's probably going to create maybe, uh, who knows, maybe some sort of momentum shift in a match. But if we can do it every single point, that's great. Um, so I think the idea of you pre-committing to your process goals, pre-committing to your behavior change is a really important thing. It's kind of like the last thing I'd like to leave us with Josh. Um, what are your concluding thoughts? Yeah. Well, and I also like, I mean, we've talked about, you know, that's a, that's an if then, right. If, if I miss, uh, you know, if I don't do my routine, I'm going to really try to make sure I, I do it the next time. Um, you know, if I'm feeling this way on the court, I apply this mental skill that I've learned and practiced. Um, so I think, I think that's an important piece of things. I guess in terms of a concluding thought, 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we've gone through a good bit of it. I mean, I, I think, you know, just to, to go back to the fact that there's no win is too small to recognize, to celebrate. Um, and, and we should be giving ourselves probably more credit than, than people tend to, right? We, we tend to focus in on those, you know, on, on those situations that, that don't go as well, right? We, we make 25 shots and we miss the 26 and that's where our focus is. We win four matches and we lose the fifth one and that's where our focus is. So, you know, the first match, let's say you, you played a player, you know, weaker than you and you've had situations in the past where you've struggled in those matches based on the playing style, based on other factors and you came through and you played well and, and you got the job done. Let's recognize that. Let's not so quickly just move on to the next match. Let's spend some time and recognize that. And, and again, there are ways to, you know, having a journal or a log or, you know, having a, you know, reflection process on your match makes that a lot easier, but let's, let's have that process of recognizing that, that win. And maybe that's not a small win in that same way. Maybe that is a bigger win, but let's at least, you know, notice that, be aware of that, recognize it and, and have that celebration process. Great. Great conversation. Josh, I really enjoyed that. I think it's such an important part of uh, being a great competitor. And as you said, you know, really looking at, at what's going right. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening. For more on today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions about mini wins and celebrations, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag tennisiq. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. And you can also check us out on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.